When I was very young, maybe about six or seven years old, I was abandoned and my, my mother disappeared in my life. And that was my interpretation. And I began to question my value. Mm -hmm. You know, there was something that I think you know, I must not, there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. There must be something that's missing within me. There was a void that I felt I had because my belief that I was less than. And I believe that I sought to make up for that seeming void within me through achievement. And needless to say, despite having what the world would consider to be success from an external observation, I still did not feel worthy. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. What is really going on in this crazy world today? And how can we as men contribute in meaningful ways that don't just create more upset and division? Well, my guest today, the honorable and inspired and inspiring Reverend James Trapp, and I mine these questions and actually quite a bit more to make a meaningful difference in your life. And I do mean more because, you know, I try to come up with these questions to lead the intro in every one of these podcasts and i gotta be honest with you sometimes it's a real pain in the butt and i don't quite nail it but those are two of the important things that reverend trapp and i talk about today uh, but we cover so much more reverend trapp he is an incredible man a graduate of the ivy league princeton university his list of accolades accomplishments and honors are numerous and impressive and besides being awarded the key to the city of Miami, Florida for his contributions to that city, I'm actually not going to name those accomplishments and accolades here because the truth is none of that is why I invited him on. I invited Reverend James Trapp onto Men This Way because the man looms large in the inspired unfolding of my own personal life story. I first encountered him at Unity on the Bay, a spiritual church in Miami, Florida, back in probably 2003-ish. But the day before I walked into his church for the first time, I had no intention of ever setting foot in anything called church ever again. Although I considered myself a deeply spiritual man with a deep faith in God, life, love, universe, whatever you want to call the source energy that permeates and binds and animates all things together, I had long before lost my taste for organized religion. But the day I walked into Reverend Trapp's Unity Church, I didn't just walk into church, I walked into my destiny. For I was straight away enraptured by what I found there. And now, before I continue, I want to assure you this is not a religious podcast. Whatever religious or spiritual views you're bringing into this conversation, they are welcome. And I am not going to try and convince you to think or believe anything different. That is not the intention of this episode. I simply want you to know that Reverend Trapp's Unity Church became the spiritual home I didn't even know I needed. On just my second visit there, I saw a band perform then called Inner Voice, 
who would change my life forever when about two years later they asked me to manage them because I said yes without hesitation despite knowing nothing about managing artists. And that fateful choice put me on the trajectory to where I am today, doing the inspired work that I do and love and living the life now in California with my bride that I live and that I love. So I am deeply honored to feature Reverend James Trapp on Men This Way. We talk about his journey from highly successful Princeton University, University grad, criminal defense lawyer with money and prestige, through personal breakdown of substance abuse and emotional turmoil, to rising to become the CEO of Unity Worldwide Ministries, and now senior minister at the Spiritual Life Center in Sacramento. We talk about the power of the mind to create your reality, and the most important things that we as men can do, and women too, to meaningfully participate in and truly serve in helpful ways. Today's increasingly fragmenting and chaotic world. We do talk about all that and more. So definitely stay tuned all the way through to Reverend James Trapp's five key takeaways at the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Reverend James Trapp, sir, I cannot tell you what a privilege it is for me to host you here, to have you here in this conversation on Men This Way. Welcome, sir. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here with you, Brian. I, you know, when you first contacted me, I'm very excited about what you're doing and any way I can be of support, I'm here for you. Sir, you, you loom large in my own life story because when I first encountered you was at Unity on the Bay in Miami. Yeah. And this was in the heyday, sir. This was when Unity on the Bay was rocking. I had never experienced like worship like this, you know, religious, I don't know if that's the word, but I had never experienced spirituality, worship, religion, like church. Yes. And sir, you were presiding over that experience. Do you remember Here to Hear? They were called Inner Voice at the time. Oh, yes. I remember them very well. A very talented group. I mean, we used to have them come and sing from time to time. And I think I've seen them in local concerts in, in the South Florida. So, yes, I definitely know them. Yeah, no, this is the thing that was so special about what you did at Unity on the Bay was you, you, you created celebration. That was the first time that I had experienced celebrating God, let's say, rather yeah. than mourning God, yes. mourning or, or, or celebrating life rather than mourning life. Yes. What, what did you do? How did you do that? <laughs> I know you, you took it from, I think it was in 1994, like 125 congregates to over 1300 in 2005. How'd you do that? Well, I, and I always tell people that I, I, I never really take the credit that I did anything other than I was the right person with the right consciousness and the right message. Uh, for people at that time. And if you, you understand, you know, my pers my background, I was never involved in any kind of formal religion after I finished high school. I didn't want to have involvement in it. It didn't relate to me at all. Were you uh, raised? Were you, was your family religious in some sense? Yeah, my, my, you know, my family did go to different churches in the community. I had four brothers, three sisters, and oftentimes we would just be dropped off of churches maybe to give my parents <laughs> a break. Uh -huh. nothing else yeah. uh, but i wasn't particularly into the traditional you know religion you know i just had a uh, belief that there's a lot even when i was very young i just never 
believed in a in a an entity, a, a god yeah, or a yeah. presence that was a punishing kind of god. Yeah. So I think I went through my I have to kind of go through my own experience. Let's just say that when I went through my own dark nights of the soul, a friend of mine introduced me to that very community. And uh it, it was something that I went to reluctantly because I wasn't interested, but he bugged me so much I decided to go. Yeah. And there was a message there that was specifically for me. Yeah. You know, it's like you go there and it wasn't like it wasn't the level where we were when you were there, uh, but the message yeah. was specifically for me. And I believe that that what I, I, I went through, because when I went there, I felt that rather than look at the the shadow side of humanity, you know, what we want to do is shine light and bring out, you know, the, the, the what's really working for us, what's powerful about us, what's good about us. Because oftentimes religions will look at the things that are that are not good about us. And, you know, there's something with born sinners and and things of that nature. And that never really turned me on. Yeah. And not to say that we don't have frailties as human beings, but that's not the truth of who we are. So what I wanted to do is affirm the really the, the our better angels, the possibilities that are within our own life as human spiritual beings. And so that was my particular approach and brand, and it was a reflection of you know the unity or what they call the new thought philosophy. So in addition to message, you know, music was extremely important. You being involved in the music business, yeah. and myself, you know, had an aunt who did music. I love music. And that also is a way of communicating to a, a dimension that you can't get to in words, yeah. but it really sets up for a powerful message for us uh, to hear because we need to be reminded of what's right about us, what's powerful about yeah. us, what's good about us, yeah. because we get a lot of messages consciously or unconsciously that says there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And that is a, and, and so, and as I began to create that environment, I believe there was a lot of people were hungering and thirsting for that mm -hmm. because how it grew was primarily word of mouth. Yeah. Someone else came there, they had an experience because I, I think people want to have an experience. They don't want to just hear words. They want to have an experience. They want to see individuals who are living to the best of their ability to these principles of the possibility of who we can be. And it reminds people of what's potentially can be created for them. And so yeah. I think we touched a lot of people, especially a lot of young people uh, during that time. You, well, you know, it's, I, I had the same exact experience in the sense that it was, in my case, it was a, a woman, like, like so many of the best things that ever happened to me. It was a woman who brought me to it, though. I was kicking and screaming the whole way. I didn't want to go. Church? Why would I go there? I did church when I was younger. I'm done, thank you. She yeah. kept asking, kept asking, kept inviting, really. And finally, I was like, well, what else I got to do on a Sunday? So I went in, and I was mesmerized. Just, I think the first performer I saw, it was music, Karina Iglesias. Oh, yeah. She blew yes. my socks off. This is church? And... Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember the message that you spoke. I mean, I, I started going, I went to Unity for, well, ever since I, since I lived in Miami for the next five or six years, and you were, the, you were the, the minister for most of that time until you left to be CEO of Unity International, or Worldwide Industry, 
uh, anyway, Ministry. ministries. Yeah. Yes. I remember, I think you said it. It's like I, I finally had found a spiritual home where I was being celebrated. My life was not just I, little I, but big I life was being celebrated rather than mourned rather than focused yes. on all that was wrong. All that was, that was. And so, um, and it was music. It was music. I think here to hear the band that I would end up managing it was actually Inner yes. Voice. I think they were the second second time I went to uni. They were the performers. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I remember that. It changed my life. I mean, and so you know, I, I think you know, Reverend Trap. I I I I just I I I don't even have the words. I have such appreciation for you, and it's really it's an honor for me to be able to speak this into existence and for others to hear that you were an elder man that I immediately felt safe with and looked up to and was inspired by and invigorated by. And I didn't know you personally, you know, it's a, there was just a, the presence in the space that you held and the message that you offered. And um, so, you know, to be able to have this conversation with you today, many years later, I am where I am because of unity on the Bay. I love my life. I have an amazing life. And I am here because of that finally saying yes to my female friend, my woman friend, bringing me yes. to your sanctuary. Yes. So. Yeah, it was like to say, there, you know, there's no accidents. You were there by a divine appointment and you, it was just waiting for you to be ready to show up. And she, she was a vehicle for that to happen. It's often, in my case, it's often women who are the ones. <laughs> and I'm kicking yes. and screaming yeah. every time. I'm not going to lie. I don't yeah. go willingly, but I, when I get there, I'm glad of it. Yeah, well, sometimes they have, you know, that woman's intuition, they kind of know. And we kind of like, you know, I don't think so. <laughs> That's right. That's not me. That's not me. <laughs> and it turns out, oh, that is so me. Now, I, yeah. now I'm curious because I know that that you came to that uh, to the to the world of unity to being a reverend. You also were going through a, a breakdown of sorts. You were you you talk about mm -hmm. you know using chemical substances, having emotional right. issues. Like what were you going through? What 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 was your breakdown? I mean, if you can kind of walk us through how you were a criminal defense lawyer, right? Yes. You were a lawyer. You worked in corporate law and real estate, and then like how'd you go from that to being unity minister? Yeah, well, this is where I think you have to kind of tell, you know, you know a more expanded version of my story, mm. because, you know, there are things that happen to us in life that oftentimes we don't know when they happen, what impact it'll have further down the line as we, you That's know, right, yeah. mature and grow. When I was very young, maybe about six or seven years old, you know, my, I, I was abandoned and my, my mother disappeared in my life. You know, that was my interpretation. And if you know anything about, you know, psychology, whenever an important person like that kind of disappears, at least from my perspective, I, on some level, I began to question my value. Mm -hmm. You know, there was something that I think I must not, there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. There must be something that's missing within me. Now, of course, I didn't recognize that too many years later when I was in, in therapy, but I believe that what, what happened after that, as I you know, examined my life, there was a void that I felt I had because my belief that I was less than, there was something missing in me, I wasn't good enough. And I believe that I sought to make up 
for that seeming void within me through achievement, mostly through school. I did very well in school. And even though when I moved to Miami, I went to an inner city high school, I ended up going to an Ivy League college. And I figured that as a result of that, I would have arrived. And I, now I, hmm. I, I achieved success. Right, yeah. And I got a nice job, you know, working for, uh, uh, you know, Fortune 500 corporation, you know, could have gone up the management ladder, so to speak. But I realized that that was very short lived. I did not get satisfaction from anything outside of me because I still felt there was a void within me. And so after that, you know, feeling dissatisfied, I said, well, maybe there's more I need to do. Hmm. And when you don't know what to do during that time, you decide, well, you go to law school. So I decided to go to law school. Uh, and uh, then I came back and, uh, you know, after I passed the bar, I was working with a guy in an office and we did mostly criminal defense work and some other things. And needless to say, despite having what the world would consider to be success from an external observation by objective standards, I still did not feel worthy. Despite, you know, being crazy how that what, works, what people it? say successful, despite having mod yeah, yeah. moderate, you know, yeah. success financially, nice car and all that kind of stuff. And so as a result, I, you know, I got involved in, you know, drugs and alcohol, trying to still fill that void within my life. And then after a certain point, I my addiction led to a precipitous downfall in which I lost everything that I thought was important in my life. You know, my relationship, my career, materially. And I ended up going to a uh, rehab center, which I say was probably one of the best things I ever did in my life. Because at that time, it was something that what they had what they call a long-term centers. Now they have these 30-day wonders that people go into the try to mm, rehab, but mm, I, mm. I, I question whether those things are effective. Mm. But anyway, it was like a, a six month program, you know, first couple months intense inside, a lot of self-examination, you know, all kinds of different therapeutic methods, you know, 12 step. Yeah, you had mentioned therapy earlier. Was this the first time you really and dove into therapy? And like, how about how old were you at this time? I was in my mid thirties at that time. Yeah. yeah. So this is a very, this is the first time that I actually got exposed to therapy. It was something that I never considered doing. Yeah. I, didn't I don't I need that. I got me. I'm needed good. That. I, I don't need that. that. I know that story. Yeah. Like I said, you know, I, I, was, in, yeah, I was into, you know, drugs and alcohol. So I'm not addicted. You know, like Richard Pryor said, I've been you know, doing this all my life. I ain't addicted yet. <laughs> so I, I ran into, um, you know, a, a number of really skilled, people there. One of them uh, was a, a gentleman named Ralph, and uh, he did different kinds of therapy, reality therapy, encounter groups. But he posed a question to me that I hadn't really thought about at that time about me and my life. And he just said, do you feel that you were abandoned by your mother? Yeah, and I did yeah. not put that yeah. together. at the time. I didn't really accept that. And that allowed me to start examining why I did what I did, why I engaged in self-sabotaging behavior, because I didn't feel good about me. And uh, after I went through a lot of, uh, you know, therapy, self-reflection, I was able to release a lot of guilt I had about, toward myself, about what I thought I had done to my life. 
And it's just like one day, I woke up one day and all that guilt disappeared. I had to do a lot of work to, to release that. But it was around that same time that uh, one of my uh, roommates, you know, was going to Unity. It was actually the Unity I eventually became the, the minister of. And we went there and I went very reluctantly because he said, oh, you should go to this place. It'll help you with your own growth and development. And, that's, and he was telling me about it. I said, does that sound like a, sound like a church, <laughs> yeah. man? I, I don't do church. But he bugged me so much. I said, okay, if you don't bother me this one anymore, I'll go this one time. And so I did go this one time. And like uh, some folks have told me they've done, I did. I sat in the back <laughs> near the door just in case someone said something wow. I didn't like. I didn't agree with I didn't go along with that philosophy. I could just go out and yeah. wait till everybody was yeah. done to get the bus back to the, the center. But like I said, yeah. there were some words there that were just for me. I always tell people yeah. that that message about me uh, uh, was about me so much. I thought that someone had given that speaker wow. my personal file, and that's what he used to to develop his message that day. That's I'm looking around at how do people all know about me and you know, how, why is this man talking about me from all these other people? And, and uh, instead of going that one time, I kept going back uh, for my own growth and development. And uh, it, it led me to a totally different path. And eventually I, I ended up, you know, doing what I needed to do, get into uh, the ministerial program. I thought I was just doing it just to get my life back together, go back yeah. into, you know, business, or law or something like that. But I, I got the bug or I got people say you get a calling. And I have to say that it's not something that you, at least for me, you choose. It's just something that you yeah. do. If you know you can't do anything else that you have to do. And so uh, after getting this idea that I should go to um, ministerial school, I resisted it like for about a year. I mean, the idea would come up. I say no. No, I was resisting because I couldn't see myself in that role. And after a while, it came up so much. And I said, hell no, I can't do this. When you say it came up so much, do you mean internally or from, from outside or both? No, no in, in, internally. It's because I had this, oh, yeah. This, yeah, yeah. this thought in my head yeah. that I could do that. And, and, and I, part of me was saying, no, that's not who you are. That's not the image that you can, you know, think yourself having at all or projecting. You can't do that. I had my own idea what that was. And I, I would say that I was with a friend, um, you know, at the youth fair, you know, the youth fair, they have these rides. We took some kids there one day and I guess I was in a state of surrender and I saw the picture in my mind actually doing it. And I would say almost like an electrical current went through my body that said, you do this. And then I, I made the steps to go ahead and, and, and uh, go to school and, and then come back. And I came the uh, co-minister with the minister who was there, who was about to retire. Yeah, yeah. He saw something in me that I didn't even see in myself. He saw the possibility. And it was all smooth sailing from there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> no, I would say there's never anything from A to B to Z. It's, it's, it's more like a, a, a roller coaster, but... I think what, what helped me is that, you know, if you really want to accomplish anything, 
you, you have to have what they call a, a strong necessity. You know, you have to have something that that is so compelling that when you run into the roadblocks, they don't mm -hmm. stop you. Uh, because earlier on, when I was there, you know, you know, you probably mm -hmm. remember that neighborhood. You know, there were yeah. drug houses all around in that neighborhood. Yeah, now, yeah, yeah. you know, number condos and stuff up there. But back in the, uh, I was there in the early '90s. Uh, you know, and it was a huge building. They didn't really have that many people. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I always tell people we had a stack of bills. And there's nothing wrong with having a stack of bills as long as you have a stack of money to go along with it. <laughs> you didn't have a stack of money, but you just keep coming back. And I think the key was that I was able to see a vision of what was possible. You see a glimpse of what can be, and you keep that in the forefront. But probably the thing that always was most powerful for me was not so much when we really got successful and we had a lot of people and you know phenomenal music, yeah. Uh, and people, you know, lauded us is that when an individual would come and they would tell me that they were going through something and it helped change their life, transform their life. And it could have been something not even from me. It may have been, you know, a music, a musical that they heard. Yeah, yeah. It could have been someone they talked to in the parking lot that, you know, it sparked something to transform themselves. Um, you know, it could have been a class they went to or something along those lines. When that happens, that is very powerful because most people don't think that they can get out of the, you know, you know, what they're stuck in, where they're stuck. And we have that ability. Uh, and if we can begin to cultivate our minds, cultivate where we focus our attention, cultivate the, the words that we speak, um, and the people that we hang around with. That's one of the things about a human being, no matter how challenging life becomes, no matter how much of a setback that they may have, we always have the possibility of starting again. And when I see that, that would always spur me on and give me more energy to keep going because that's what it's all about. If you can help another yeah. individual have that recognition in their life. Wow, I, I've so so much resonance in your story and, and through even Unity, particularly that location as as the conduit for the greatest adventure. I told you I saw Inner Voice that later became Here to Hear at Unity on the Bay. Yes. When they asked me about a year later, maybe I became friends with those guys, and about a year later, maybe maybe two years, I can't remember, but they asked me to manage them. I didn't know anything managing yes. bands. I was doing some other work in the, the the fashion industry, making a lot of money. They were basically asking me to stop making a lot of money and make what would turn out to be $25 a month doing something I had no idea how to do. But but the moment yeah. that request, the moment they made that request, my whole electricity, my whole body said, yep, I'm doing it. And that's exactly what happened. I went from making a, all kinds of money to $25 a month. Yeah. Like that, one month to the next. And yet it was one of the best decisions I ever made in my life yeah. because of where it brought me to. And um, can you say that again? Did you say essential necessity? Well, I think in order to, what keeps people going when going gets tough, you have to have 
what I call necessities. What is something that you must do that's yeah. pulling you, yeah. that's making, that gives you a sense of yeah. purpose that overrides the desire or the, the, the pushback that you may get, the resistance that you may get when you're trying to achieve something in your life. Because if, if you don't have that, if, if example, if you just go after something simply because you want a make money, that may not be enough to really push you through when the challenges come up. You know, for some it may, but I think for a lot of people, they have to have something that is, that is more meaningful than just materiality. There has to be something deeper than that. Now, now let me ask you a question about that, because I can see how how someone, how, how I, I look into the state of the world today and on a, on a certain level, I want to bring some, some nuance to this, some depth to what you're saying, because on one hand, there's a part of my brain that looks out and goes, well, everyone thinks they have an essential necessity and they're trying to shove it down each other's throats. And man, it's just chaos out there. Nobody's listening to anybody. So, so like, what do you mean? How do I know that I'm, I'm really functioning from what is a necessity that, you know, there's going to be resistance from the world, from life, from this, and, and but I got to keep on keeping on. How do I know what's the difference between that and just being like a stubborn fool? <laughs> <laughs> you know, not serve, not really serving the world. Yeah, there's a, I don't know if there's an objective standard to, to determine that that's kind of like an internal something that you, you know. But, but, you know, somebody told me a story about, you know, for example, let's say you had a, someone had a child and they had some rare uh, ailment and, and, and they couldn't find the answer to, to what it was. And somebody told them about, a, uh, you know, some say, say some medicine man in the, in, the, in the forest of Brazil, they said, I got the solution for this. But he was like a capitalistic shaman or medicine man. He said, mm -hmm. I can give you this for this person that you love so much, but it's going to cost you a million dollars to get it. <laughs> now, normally you would say, I can't get a million dollars. But if you love that person so much, you will go through hell and high water to find it through whatever means necessary. So when I talk about necessity, that means that the, 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 the vision, the purpose is so compelling that you will not let anything stop you from getting mm -hmm. it. So it can't be superficial. Mm -hmm. Superficial things come and go, but it's something that is deeply pushing you, pulling you, mm -hmm. motivating you. Then that's what I talk about necessities that you have to do it. There, you yeah. cannot turn back. And, and so I only give that as an example. And when that happens, you know it. No one else may know it, but you know it. And that's what yeah. I think really pushes you through when, 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 when the going gets tough and things become challenging. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. I mean, it, it seems like it, I, I call it almost like a special kind of insanity. Yeah. A special kind of insanity to, to keep to keep walking, I guess for me, the language I use is it's like the path of heart. Yes. What has heart? That's the path I know that it ain't gonna be easy. It ain't an easy path, but it is a worthy path. It is a path that, that my greatest adventures lie on. Yeah. And I'm gonna get destroyed on that path in the best ways and the worst ways too. Yeah, yeah, you have to have, it's a deep, deep conviction that you have. You know, one of my, 
my heroes uh, when I was growing up is uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And although he, you know, most people know him as, you know, uh, you know, outstanding boxer, one of the greatest of all time. Yet, I think the thing that made him distinguished from others who were just outstanding as well is that when he made a decision that he was, because of his religious beliefs, that he was not going to, you know, enter the draft. And of course, he went to trial, he was convicted, and he was supposed to serve five years, and he was out on appeal. But when I, I say that, he had a conviction, and mm. he was willing to give up all his materiality, even his freedom, mm. something that he deeply believed in. Mm. And I think the average person, you know, he could have easily gone in and got a desk job or mm. did some exhibitions, but he had a belief and a conviction mm. that he was willing to fight for and die for. And when you have that level of, you know, of, of what I call necessity and purpose, yeah. uh, it, it, it's different than just the average desire for, or to achieve a goal. Uh, it's, it's much more profound than that. Yeah. That is a great segue to a question I, I wanted to check in with you about um, because, you know, unity, unity. That's the, the spiritual community that you've been serving for for decades now. Yeah. Unity. And yet here we are in a world that at least on appear, to appearances seems less unified than in my lifetime. Yeah. I'm curious, how can... So this podcast is, we have a lot of women listening too, but this podcast is geared towards men. But again, a lot of women get value out of this conversation as well. But I'll ask the question oriented towards men, you know, not that there's a difference when you go get deeper, but um, how can we men participate in the current world story, the the way things are unfolding, like in, in the midst of all this chaos and division, yeah. How can we participate in ways that, that add value, that move us towards, I don't know, healing, wholeness, um, um, uh, a better future versus a worse one, whatever that means? You know, how can we participate? I think you're speaking to it in a way, this idea of conviction. And, but I'm just curious. I think a lot of men, myself included, I struggle to say, like, I have a voice. I, I don't want to be political, but I am political, Reverend Trapp. And I'm, I, I don't want to create more division, but I have passions about what I'm seeing. Yes. And I don't and it's I really struggle at times. How do I speak in ways that aren't just further alienating? How do I mm-hmm. what, what what could you offer in the space of that sort of sense of either paralysis or, or futility, sense of futility? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we are living in polarizing times. Uh, probably more so than I've seen in my my lifetime uh, mm-hmm. in, in, currently. On a, on a couple of levels, you asked the question, you know, what is it that we, I guess, what we can do? How can we can make a contribution? And as you know from, you know, what we call these type of teachings, the first place you have to start with is with yourself. Mm-hmm. We have to begin to, first of all, become the very best that we can be we have to be able to model what we want to see in the world. You know, Mahatma Gandhi said, you know, be the change you want to see. So, and that's no, that's no small statement because what I, what I believe is that what we see in the world, in our society is an out picturing of what's going on in our, what I call our collective consciousness. 
all of us have a little bit of that, what we see out there, you know, if we examine ourselves closely enough. So the first thing to do is ask, what is it we need to do to clean up ourselves so we can be at, at, at the highest and best that we can be? Because I would say that you, if somebody wants to bring about peace in our world, they can't go out there with an angry countenance, energy. You know, they can't be heading toward peace and they walk in and they trample in all the flowers on the way to get there. So I think we start with ourselves, examine ourselves, because most people, they don't engage in a lot of self-examination and ask, you know, what within me may be contributing to the, the I want to say the energy field, the atmosphere, the way of being in the world. And then once we do that, we have to be guided to ask, well, where in my part of the universe can I make a contribution? It doesn't really have to be humongous in, in what we might consider large or small. It can be one little piece of the universe. We may help one person. And if enough people do that, then of course, uh, you know, you begin to create an atmosphere where that becomes the norm instead of something that's out of the ordinary. So I think we start with ourselves. We find that what we're passionate about, what our skill set is, what are what is it that we can do that's uniquely ours to do, that makes a positive contribution in some small part of our universe, and we do that. You know, as I you know, sometimes it can get discouraging uh, when we see so much polarization. We, you know, first of all, we're under this. Yeah pandemic now and then we see yeah. the, the political polarization that is so intense now and then we the racial divides that are going on and yeah. sometimes the human part of us will say my god this is too much i don't, I, I have no idea you know how to even yeah. get through this can i even handle this but i think we first want to say that we as human beings we can't do it but sometimes what has helped me is to understand that the nature of our world, the nature of, you know, I'm trying to get a little mystical now. That's okay. The universe is always growth. And oftentimes when there's growth, there are polarizations or as, as a woman wrote in a book, Lessons in Truth, chemicalization. When you move from one level of, of consciousness, one level of being, and you're trying to go to a higher level of being, there is the commotion. There is, uh, you know, almost a chemical reaction where things look the worst but that could be the beginning of change. So when we see all of the polarization, and this is the way that I have to look at it in order not to get discouraged, mm -hmm. you have to understand this is part of the process. Mm -hmm. We have to go through the process, go through the fire, so to speak, as we do our part to make a positive contribution, hold the vision of where we want to be while dealing with what's in front of us right now the best that we can. And this is where you have to have the belief that in the end, there is a positive result that will happen. And so that way that kind of gives me a little bit of hope, a little more hope than if I just look at the appearances that we have yeah. in, 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 either in our individual lives. Because sometimes the worst things that happen end up being the road that leads to the best things that happen. Right, yeah. Now, if I look at my own life, you know, my, you know, you know, the drugs and the addictions and the downfall, it really led me to 
take examination of myself, transform myself, led me to a place like Unity on the Bay, led me to a way that I can, you know, with others working with me, contribute to others in their transformation. And had I not gone through that, I may not have understood that that was possible and can convey that to other people as to what's possible for them. Yeah. So we start with ourselves and we bring that, that awareness and that consciousness to what we do. And that's the best we can do. Yeah. So I'm curious, what do you see? How, how do you see what's happening? Where's this going? Where, where is this taking us? What is you, what are you hoping for yourself or what vision are you holding for? I, I'm with you. You know, our, 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 our biggest breakthroughs happen in the midst of our biggest breakdowns. Yes. Uh, what the hell is the breakthrough here? And I know you, you can't, you know, help me with some vision, Reverend Trapp. Not that you, I know you can't see the future anymore than anybody else can, but but yeah. what what's the point of all this? Where's this taking us? Yeah, you asked a very important question, you know, because somebody asked, well, what is it? Oh, what the heck does all of this mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, uh, yeah, yeah. You know couldn't, couldn't this, this all-knowing energy force in the universe just kind of straighten everybody out? Right. But it wouldn't really be a value unless we are the ones that consciously do that. Mm. And, 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 you know, this may be, you know, I don't know, say trite or uh, how should I say it? Uh, uh, you know, cokey, so to speak. But, you know, we really want to be able to create a world where everyone, a world that works for everybody. Yeah. You know, that means you have a, a pipe dream where people begin to see their potential manifested in the world, uh, where we live with the realization that we can respect, you know, the inherent value of every human being on the planet, where we actually respect ourselves. I mean, I think a lot of the challenges that we have, and this is just my own personal viewpoint, do we really love ourselves on a very deep level? Because if we do, we would never do anything to harm another human being who really comes from the same stuff. We would not do bad things to the planet. We would not you know, create conditions where we would have wars to kill other people. I think it starts with us accepting who we are, and I know that may be, you know, Pollyannish, but I, I think it always starts with, you know, how we see ourselves determines how our experiences in the world will be. I always said that if, if every person got up every day and looked in the mirror and told themselves they loved themselves and they acted accordingly, you could change the world in the twinkling of an eye because people will begin to see the highest and best within themselves. And they know that that same power is within everyone else. And we would have a different experience that we have, you know, in our, in our world today. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I think you're, you're speaking also to what spoke to me about the, the unity church experience, you know, spir uh, centers for spiritual living, kind of these new thought churches that I didn't know existed. And that, that I, I, again, I felt celebrated. I felt like life was being celebrated. Whereas the religion I was brought up in, which for me was Episcopalian, I felt like life was being mourned. Like it was the focus was on, I am a sinner. I am bad at my core. Yeah. And I'll only be redeemed in, in death yeah. if I'm lucky. If I play my cards right, yeah. you know, play by the rules, the very arbitrary rules. And I think I find it fascinating. One of the things that, that, that always 
so I toured around the country with Here to Hear, the Inner Voice, the band. After you know, I managed started managing them at, at uh, when they were at Unity on the Bay, and we went all over the country for a year. Uh, we performed at Kevin Ross's Reverend Kevin Ross's church up in Sacramento. We might have performed at your Spiritual Life Center before you were the Reverend there. We were man. We performed at hundreds of these centers, and one of the things that that I often sh- kind of struggled to reconcile with was um, why why weren't why didn't this message why wasn't this seeming to appeal to more people yeah why were the congregations so small why were there not more youth involved and now unity on the bay was rocking yeah whatever was going on there man it was something it was a whole other world but i didn't find that a lot of other places yeah you know it's it's i think historically you know this thought process has always been kind of poo-pooed as being, you know, not valid in some ways. Uh, but I, th- you know, I think what gives me hope now is that you do see this message in more and more venues. It may not necessarily be in, yeah. you know, what they call churches or spiritual communities. But if you look at some of the you know, authors, like, you know, like the well, Dwayne Dyer who passed away a little while ago, or people like the Deepak Chopra yeah. and there's some younger folks coming up. And so they're conveying the message through different venues, not inside the walls of a, of a spiritual community. So it's just a different channel that is coming through. And one of the things that we're faced with today and even in our spiritual communities, how do we utilize the, the channels that are available to get the message out, primarily technology, what you're doing right now on a podcast, you know, this could be yeah. heard anywhere. You know, yeah. we broadcast our services and put them on YouTube and Facebook. And we have people as far away as Africa and Europe and South America. Mm. And uh, we're seeking to, you know, build up that tone. It's amazing. Uh, but I think for a long time, the dominant message was you're a bad person and you need somebody to redeem you. And that just kind of dominated the consciousness. Mm-hmm. And Rather than there's something inherently good about you, you need to begin to bring that out. And wherever you begin to focus your attention is what experiences that you have. You know, we, you know, as you may have heard me say, heard people say before, energy flows where your attention goes. Where are we directing our attention? Where are we directing our thought process? And whatever we give that focus to, we begin to increase that. We expand it. We make it more in our life. And I believe, you know, that's the power of this message that we presented and I, and I believe in. So you get it out a little at a time, a little at a time until you hit a critical mass. And that's how you begin to transform the planet. Yeah. I mean, I fully believe this is the, the consciousness of the future. I absolutely believe this is the direction it's going. And I think what I was so touched about walking into unity on the Bay Again, and just for our listeners, this is not, we're not, this is not a religious podcast. I'm not <laughs> proselytizing or advertising any particular religion. And I'll make that clear in the introduction as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we don't do that at all. Nah. Well, I, I, again, if you make the choices, it's totally okay. We don't judge that. <laughs> That's right. You know, you got to find your own path or no path at all, whatever works for you. But I remember walking in and I remember seeing there were 
straight people there. There were gay people there. There were Jewish people there. There were people with dreadlocks there. There were white people, black people, Asian people, lots of, I mean, Miami's are a lot of Latin people, but it was, it was this community. And then there was celebration. We were all celebrating. And I I found that again, also uh, like at uh, Reverend Michael Beckwith's church at Agape, we performed there a few times um, on, you know, the two coasts, you guys were holding down the two coasts. Yeah. And it was so, I came, you know, I have a military background. I Grew up outside of D.C., went to a, an almost all-male uh, milita- uh, aviation college, went into the Air yeah. Force. Diversity was not my milieu. It was not my the environment that I swam in, and I was starving for it. Yes. And Unity on the Bay, I all of a sudden, diversity just exploded in my consciousness. And, and one of the things that... I kind of realized because you you remember Ash Ruiz. He was one of the the members members of of the band. He's an incredibly flamboyant man. (laughs) Like he is a expressive, beautiful, hilarious, just wonderfully loud in his being, all heart man. And I remember, you know, as I've been just sort of seeing all of the, all of the, just the conflict over these years and, and all of the, the way humanity were so dismissive towards each other. As I, I was thinking like, it's kind of like, like if I were to go into the woods and yell at a flower for being too purple. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Why, why am I angry at that flower for being purple? Yeah. That flower is just, just purpling. It's just doing it's this. It's just purpling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In our own way, you know, we're, we're doing our own purpling and, and that's, you know, we're here as unique individual expressions, and we're here to fully express who we are. And I want a forest full of flowers and full of colors yeah. and all kinds of like that's like life thriving. Yeah. And 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 again, so I think you know what what you sir what you cultivated there, and that I got to just one day walk into, reluctantly sitting in the back, you know, close <laughs> to the door, in case I need to leave. Yeah, I fully understand. Church. Last, this is the first time in 20 years I'm going to gone to church, and it's the last time for the rest of my life I'm going to church. Was my story. I walked into a jungle of of celebration of life and diversity and humanity, and it was it was extraordinary. Um, so, so thank you. Well, I appreciate you there because I said it, it was as good as the people that were there. I think yeah. that's that's what really makes the difference. And people say what made us successful. I said. It's always, I try to surround myself with great, talented, heart-filled people that have a purpose in life and see something we can move to. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you uh, one last question and then we'll finish up with our, uh, uh, what do I, what do I call it? I've always been wanting to change the name. I never have the five key takeaways finale. I'm trying to come up with something a little more, you know, interesting, but that's, that's stuck. It's stuck. Five key takeaways finale. But here's the last question that I want to ask you kind of as part of our, our conversation, our bigger conversation. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing men, especially today? And what wisdom could you offer in the face of it? Biggest challenge facing men. That's, that's a, I think we have to de- decide what for us individually is success. You know, we often buy into, you know, society's definition of what success is. And, and I, I, and, 
and oftentimes we do that at the expense of our own well-being, of our own guidance, and doing what we feel we need to do. We often buy into what you know the society says is important. And I think about that not only in my own life, and but I was doing some research when I was doing a, a wrote, writing a book recently that I finished, and I was looking at. There may have been some men, I mean, women, but I think it were mostly men. They all graduated from Harvard Business School and they were going to the 15th year reunion. And and uh, many of them were really uber successful. You know, these are some of the best, most successful people around when you looked at how they achieved materially. They were CEOs or hedge fund managers or, you know, entrepreneurs, or surgeons or things of that nature but many were unhappy and they were unhappy because they didn't really look within themselves and ask what would make me happy as opposed to achieving some level of what society and the world says success is, which should make me happy. So I think one of the things, what's the biggest challenge is that are we being true to ourselves as to being true to uh, some other standard that has nothing to do with our inherent understanding of who we are, what we come here to be. Mm-hmm. Because if you become who you've come here to be, it doesn't really, not to say it doesn't matter. I think we want to have a level of success and comfort in life. But after a certain point, there are diminishing returns. You want to be able to go to the end of your life and say, did I make a difference? Was I true to me? And so if we're true to ourselves, to me, that's success, regardless of what it may look like, you know, from an objective material standpoint. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's one among other things, I think, that are challenges, not only for men, but maybe for people, particularly in the Western society. Yeah. So, so, really, so, so really figuring out what that is sounds yes. like is, is, should be, can be and it would serve to be a, a highest priority for a person's life. Yeah. Because I think if you come from that perspective, uh, you begin, you know, and you cultivate who you've come here to be, you know, then you begin, all the other things begin to fall into place. Oftentimes yeah. we work from the outside in rather than mm-hmm. from the inside out. And, yeah. you know, we try to manipulate control mm-hmm. what's happening outside of us thinking that if we get enough of that control or achievement, then that will bring the joy and happiness. And I think we're here to enjoy life. We're here to be happy uh, and to other people. And oftentimes we will not do that because we're letting other people define what that should be for us, as opposed to finding it ourselves. I actually kind of reflecting on what you shared earlier too, when you started at unity on the bay and you said you had a stack of bills without the stack of money yeah. and i'm thinking like you know I, I know people that have been really successful where they had a stack of bills and they had a stack of money and they could pay for everything but it was a kind of a house of cards just miserable in a sense and look around and going and they have to keep working for the money to pay the bills to yes. keep they have to keep that and it, meanwhile they're looking around going what the hell is what am I surrounded by? I, I'm yeah. not really enjoying this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like this. What, what am I doing? They never really asked the question now, why am I really doing this? You know, is it, yeah. you know, and uh, 
And so we should ask that question. Who am I? Why am I here? And am I in tune and integrity yeah. with myself? Uh, yeah. And so we, we do that. Then I, and if we don't do that, then, you know, we run into a lot of obstacles, unhappiness, challenges yeah. in, in our life. And, 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 and I think like I look, I, I have a, a modest house. I live in Los Angeles. It's an expensive location. I have a little, just a nice three bedroom home. I don't own it. I'm just renting, but yeah, I pay sky high rent. But if it went away, I'd be okay. I love what I do. I feel deeply inspired by my work. And, and I, I'm, so I'm really connecting to what you're saying. I feel very much like what, what I've created is, is very much an expression of my inner re of my inner truth of my inner joy and it ain't easy but yeah. and i feel like i could create that anytime yeah. from this place absolutely all kinds of different variations like i don't have to hold up a house of cards no yeah if, if you're in if your internal fortitude your individual way of being is solid you know stuff can go away for a while but you can recreate it <laughs> yeah recreate yeah. It, you know no matter what you know some people fear losing stuff yeah. So I'm just, as you were sharing that, I'm just sort of really sitting with that. And it feels really good to be in that place. It feels really good to be in that place. And again, you know, I can't say it enough. Unity on the Bay was such a, uh, like a, a place of initiation for me. Cool. You know, you, you, you're here with me in my home, Reverend Trap. <laughs> hey, I'm glad I can do it, man. I'm glad I can do it. My beautiful lady upstairs or our puppy dog or yeah. So all right, I'm going to finish up with the five key takeaways finale. Mm -hmm. And then I would love for you to tell uh, our listeners how they can catch one of your uh, broadcasts oh, okay. on Sunday. I think that'd be an amazing way to to experience you. But but so we'll, we'll wrap up with that at the end. But uh, first, five key takeaways finale. Go ahead. Are you ready? All right. Num number one, key insight. Now, I do these five key takeaways just because we've covered a wide range of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is just sort of a little wrap up to to give people something they can kind of, you know, put a little hook in and go off and work with. Gotcha. gotcha. Right. So num number one, key insight. What's the one key insight that you would offer listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? What we what we think about. With energy behind it, we begin to bring about in our life experiences. I cannot overemphasize the power of our thoughts because, you know, wherever we're directing our attention and energy over a continuous period of time, we begin to create those experiences. I always tell people, if you want to be able to see a preview of what your life is about tomorrow, what is it that you're obsessing over today? Because that is, uh, you know, the power of thought is... Uh, yeah, I think the, the the first place I would start, you know, with that. I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that. What If you want a preview of your life tomorrow, start with what you are obsessing about today. Yes, absolutely. I love that. That's powerful. Great. Uh, number two, key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by, living or dead, that you would recommend our listeners to learn more about. Ooh, good God. There's so many of them. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh. Some of them known, some of them unknown. Let me see if I see you think of someone that 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 is is, is known or, or living or dead. Yes. Well, earlier in, in my life, when I was, uh, you know, just studying this uh, this philosophy, there was a gentleman. He's no longer here anymore named Eric Butterworth. Eric Butterworth was a, uh, a unity minister in New York City. 
through probably 70s, 80s, maybe the early 90s. And he wrote a number of books. One of the most powerful was Discover the Power Within You. And uh, that was influential in, in my life. Uh, so I think through his lectures and through his books, uh, he's been a very important mentor to me. And then, and then of course, if I look at some modern, you know, you know, in community is someone who like Nelson Mandela, who has also passed mm-hmm. away. And for those who know his history, he was fighting apartheid in South Africa. He ended up going to prison in Robbins Island. And uh, even from prison, he began to see a vision of what was possible from that vantage point, ended up starting a whole movement across the world simply because the, he got the idea of sending out letters to Western journalists and eventually started support for him. He got released from prison and ended up becoming the president of the country that imprisoned him. That is powerful. You know, so yeah. what I look at someone like that and it inspires me to say, no matter what your condition, you can achieve great things. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, number three, key resource, your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of the last year. Ooh, last year. Kind of reading so many books. I'm looking on my shelf now. <laughs> what would be that influenced me? Well, you know, I go to back to, 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 to one book, and it's an old book. It's a unity book, and it's written in old language. And it's called, and it's written by a, a woman who was a holistic doctor in the late 1800s, and it's called Lessons in Truth. Mm. And 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 the mm-hmm. philosophy which I uh, really lean on often con- is contained within that book about you know the power of you know like I said thought the power of the words that we speak the concept of the unity. That, that we can attain. Uh, and uh, H. Emily Cady uh, wrote that book. Uh, and uh, so that, that, was, that was a very influential book, you know, for me. And I used to read it almost every year uh, to just to kind of remind me of the basic principles because they're simple, but they're not necessarily easy. Yeah. Those are principles. And I, you know, I got some contemporaries around that I, I listened to that, you know, to kind of keep me motivated. You know, I know Les Brown, who's been a, a phenomenal, you know, speaker that I know well, and uh, so those are a couple, couple of people mentored. And and for, for our listeners, if you're jogging or driving and you can't write these down, don't worry. It's all going to be in the show notes at brianreeves.com/slash/men-this-way-podcast. Gotcha. Okay, last two uh, key investment. What in the last year is the best thing that you spent money on? And we're going to say under $10,000. Oh, well, best thing has been, I could just say something that I've invested in recently. Because, uh, you know, we can't, I used to go to the gym regularly. Uh-huh. And, you know, the gyms are closed down. Yep. And I bought something, it maybe costs less than $200. Mm-hmm. It's called the Body Boss. And it's really like bands. Really? So bands, replic- yeah. You can replicate, uh, you know, what you would do in the gym with, you know, you know, whatever, you know, bench presses or different exercises with weights. Uh, and you can like step on it or connect it to a door. It. And... 
connected to the yeah. door. And my uh, lady's so, crazy about those. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, for me, just because I think part of just <laughs> successful living, you got to keep yourself physically in, in shape as much as you can. And just being in this pandemic environment, I don't know about you, I end up snacking around a lot. I've kind of lost my discipline on, uh-huh. you know, when I would eat, I just find myself in any moment picking up stuff to eat. I said, you know what? I need to get back in shape. So I couldn't go to the gym beside yeah. walking and, and stuff. I bought that and, it's, and uh, I like it. When we all went into lockdown, that's what my partner and I, because we had just signed up for a year physical uh, training with a physical trainer yeah. at a gym, a local gym. We had just literally, we, we'd had maybe three sessions with a trainer yeah. when the pandemic started and the gym locked down and everything happened. And we were, we were looking around, okay, what are we going to do? And we went online. All the exercise equipment was sold out yeah. for like months. Couldn't get, couldn't get, but we got bands. We finally got bands like two weeks ago. Okay. And eh, maybe a little bit longer, but my lady's been just using them almost every day. So I feel you. Yeah. So that was a good investment for okay. me. Good investment for your body and your health, I would say. I'm with you. you. I'm with you. Okay. Final key takeaway, key practice. Please offer one consistent practice, spiritual, creative, personal, or relational that has served you well and that you challenge our listeners to take on even for just the next seven days? I would say practice some sort of form of meditation. I would say that's one of the practices that keeps me centered, helps me look at my thoughts and be aware of them on a regular basis. You know, I happen to use a a form of meditation called Vipassana, or they Mm. call it modern term, we call mindfulness meditation. It's, 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 it helps keep more calm on the stress. I know it helps with your health and well-being. And so if you, if you just start out, sometimes these people said they can't quiet their minds, just go to one of these uh, online, you know, places, Mm -hmm. calm, I guess it's calm app. Yeah. Calm app. If you can't take, I would say at least 20 minutes a day, but if you can't do that, start five minutes a day, just try to make it a habit before you start your day. I think that, uh, that is one of the things that you want to lay as a foundation for your day before you start your day. Yeah. Because as you start your day, it really begins to set the tone for the rest of your day. Yeah. Uh, so that, and then what I also try to do in the conjunction with that, this might be two things, is set a intention of what I, how I am going to show up today. In other words, pick a word and say, today I'm going to be patient. Today, I'm going to be persistent. Today, I'm just going to be present. Today, I'm just going to be a great listener. Whatever, just pick something. And whatever it is that you want to work on, make a decision. That's that's how you're going to show up during the day. And make it something that you continuously come back to and ask, okay, am I being patient? Am I a good listener today? You know, am I being persistent? You know, am I keeping my, am I being positive? Am I trying to find the good in a seemingly bad situation? Because as we do those things, they begin to shape and set the energy field for our day. And you'd be surprised how much of a difference it can make. Even when things get crappy, you know, you can get back on course saying this is my intention for the day. 
I love that. I love the combination of those two practices. I, I this morning my body got me up at five thirty a.m. So I did a twenty minute meditation around that time, and I've only really in the last year really locked in a good, more consistent morning practice. And I'll tell you, it's become like brushing my teeth. Yeah. If I don't do it, I feel funky the rest of the day. Yeah. You know, yeah. I could go, I could go a day or two maybe without brushing my teeth, but any beyond that, and my wife doesn't want to be anywhere near me. <laughs> yeah, man. You mean, same if I, if I don't meditate, same thing. Yep. Yep. It's kind of like, you know, people say going with only brainwash, but you're kind of like washing your brain, you know, yeah. a little bit every day. So you go out, you know, it's kind of like a mental hygiene that you take yeah. yourself through. So those are, that would be a practice. And, and then the set and the intention that how you want your day to show up is good. I like that. Uh, Reverend James Chap, where can our listeners learn more about you personally uh, and catch catch one of your Sunday broadcasts? Yeah, well, we, we're right now we're uh, recording uh, and uh, broadcast them on Sundays. You can go to Spiritual Life Center Sacramento uh, on YouTube or Spiritual Life Center on, on uh, Facebook. And uh, so those are, you know, we have a broadcast. I do a, a talk usually most every Sunday. I do it every week. And, uh, you know. But what time of day on Sunday usually? Well, you know, usually we you know, we broadcast them at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning. And then okay. another, then again, at uh, then after California that, time. it's available, you know, anytime. Got it. Oh, got that, it. You know, you get, you get to rebroadcast as well. Got it. And, got uh, it. So they could just go right now and watch something. Yep. You can go there right now and see a whole school. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. School. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, right now, because of the new regulations, we yeah. can't do anything live with singing. So so the musician will record something in their house and I'll record something in, you know, one of the offices mm. or rooms at the, at the center, send it to our AV guy. He puts it all together. And then we it hurts a little bit, doesn't it? Hurts a little bit that I'm yeah. imagining because I know music is so important to your ministry and to what you created. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I can say we, we just you adapt. You know, that's what makes us unique yeah. as creatures. We have the ability to adapt to our circumstances. So that's what we do. So yeah. that's that. And then, of course, uh, I may start putting some on my website, jamestrap.com. And, you know, also I have a book that I wrote recently called uh, uh, it's called Take Back Your Future. <laughs> and it's an indicates like seven steps that I have used over my lifetime, I think that makes a difference that uh, to transform your life and to achieve the things that you want, you love, and you deserve. Excellent. And we'll put a link to all of that, all those links in the show notes again, including a link to your book. Cool. Reverend James Trapp, sir, again, th this has been such a long time in coming for me. It's uh, truly a privilege to be able to have this conversation with you. I'm so grateful for you in so many ways. You have You have influenced my life and I'm just, I'm, I'm glad you're in the world. Thank you for saying yes to coming on. Hey, man, it's been my pleasure. It's a good chance to talk to you. And uh, hopefully when this pandemic is over and I'm down in LA, we can hang out a little bit. Man. I would love that. <laughs> I would be honored. I would absolutely love that. All right, sir. Be well. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Reverend James Trapp. Find Reverend Trapp at www.jamestrapp.com. That's Trapp, T-R-A-P-P. -P. 
and find his weekly broadcasts by searching Spiritual Life Center Sacramento on either YouTube or Facebook. Of course, these links and any resources, books, and Reverend James Trapp's five key takeaways will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com, brian with a Y, reeves.com slash men this way podcast. If you were served by this and think others should hear it too, please share this episode or even better, just write a review because your words matter and I love reading them. Uh, It really does mean a lot to me when I see your review come through. So um, please consider pulling out your podcast app right now and leaving a review on this show, Men This Way, so that you too can lead more men this way because your words matter. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.